Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall, and I'm with my guys, Robbie Falke and Mike Guillory. Let's talk some kicks. What's going on, fellas? Well, just still chilling. I'm still in the house, I think, guys. I'm in a time void. Man, I need somebody to go uninstall the real real and grailed from my phone because that's all I'm doing. I'm not even buying everything I look at, but I'm just um, uh, thoroughly utilizing my time on those stupid apps and reading Anthony Bourdain books. I picked up a book again for the first time in a hot minute. So I, I have um, Anthony Bourdain's Medium Raw. I've had it for a hot minute and never read it. So I was like, you know what? This is a good time to pick it up and finally read that book. So some good, some bad. Some ugly, but pretty good. Nice, nice. I uh, I actually want to read that Anthony Bourdain book as well. I haven't read that one, but it's definitely on the list. When I'm done, it's yours. All right, sounds like a deal. <laughs> uh, so what what are you guys rocking and copping this week? <sighs> rocking right now, not not much. Uh, I think I've put on my my Pharrell BYWs a couple times, just in and out of the house. But that's about it. Um, Coppin, I'm looking at this Jordan Delta um, in the in the initial launch colorway that came out in the sale. I found a pair for retail. Thinking about it, and um, I'm really kind of excited. I get to save more money for the space hippies because they don't come out till July now, and now the resale price has gone down because they found out they're not going to come in double box. So that means StockX not going to take those boxes. So no one cares anymore. So I'm super excited for that. Wait, break that down again. What? So space hippies aren't going to come double box. The shoe box is the shipping box. So oh. they get beat to mess stickers on it, which means that no resale site is going to take those boxes. So you saw there was one day, I think last, I want to say like last Friday, I checked the resale prices. Me and my buddy were looking each one was about 500 bucks. The O3, of course, the, the high top was all like the mechanisms was like six, $700. As soon as they release that, they're going to, that's only going to be one box they come in. Price dropped like 60%. Everything was like 200 bucks resale pre-order basically. Damn. So I'm like, yeah, boy, I'm excited for that. I have to say, I went over, I went over to my friend's house to drop over, drop off a gift for his daughter. And uh, he had a pair of the Space Hippie 3s on. He's had them for a couple of weeks. So they were pretty well beat. He's the kind of guy that, you know, wears them in his shop. He's just yeah. like working stuff. So in person, very, very cool. If you have a chance to buy that shoe without hype price beforehand, I thoroughly recommend it because they're really nice in person. That's pretty dope, though. I mean, I think that kind of is going to lead into some of the stuff we're going to talk about on the episode. But the fact that they're, they're not shipping it in a box, you know, like one, you know, we don't really need boxes. A lot of people are using, you know, other boxes anyway to store their shoes, but it's also just, you know, thinking of the environmental impact, it's just a waste to have a, a shoe box, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. if you're going to wear your shoes, just send the send shoes. Like I don't need the box. I'm just going to end up recycling it anyway. Yeah. So, are they going to put like the label and the color code on the cardboard shipping box? 
Yeah, so the the box you see like on the uh, on the outlets where it's just a cardboard box, and when you open it, it says Space Hippie. So it's going to serve as the shipping box as well. So they'll go ahead and you know tape that up, put the shipping label on it, and out to bed. Those are going to get stolen. People always. Um, you know, but the thing is, like, it's it's a plain box. You can't you don't see the labeling until you open the box, so you don't know what it is. Ah. Uh, so yeah, you open it inside. It's, it's like all you know, off white boxes had. It was reversed how it had the Nike stuff in the inside. Yes. Yeah. So that's the plan. But I mean, I just hope they don't put the Nike tape all over it because that would pretty much you know, give that away. <laughs> well, to Nick's point, I mean, I know myself. There's shoes without boxes on the top of piles. I have the behind the door storage thing full of shoes. Um, you may do. Oh yeah. You don't need the boxes. I mean, I have mine for, I don't know why I just, it's easy for me to stack them at this point until I get something to put them in. But as soon as I like switch over to a more, I guess, uh, sustainable stacking system, as soon as I do that, all these boxes are getting recycled. I mean, not to keep talking about the same topic, but is it just me or when you see like um, stackable drop front boxes that are literally like 15, 20 shoes high, doesn't that then defeat the like defeat the ease purpose of having to get like a step ladder? I don't know. I so, feel like sustainable long-term storage would be cool, but those boxes, man, like unless you break them all down every time you move, yeah, like, I feel like it's just... It's, uh, it's, it's a shame regardless. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a means to make money, not so much a good investment in my book. Yeah, it's it's tough because they definitely don't last. They, uh, I can I can attest they don't they don't survive moves very well. I've moved, you know, a few times in the past five years or whatever it's been. And um, most of those that I have been uh, are, are definitely missing pieces and corners and latches and all that stuff. But. Right. But, you know, if I, if I, if I stack them like, you know, 10, 15 high, then I can buy a Supreme ladder and I can be super cool on the internet. So. Dang, high bees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we all can't be Jumpman Bostic and have the same basement and never have to worry about really moving stuff. So that's, dream, but we can dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, if, if you don't want me to move, I, I totally would. I would have that set up. Yeah. Um, so, so what are you rocking at Coppin' this week, Robbie? Yeah, I mean, I've been rocking a lot. And it's funny because this podcast, if you go back and listen to stuff, like early episodes, a lot of shoes I don't like that I now wear. I've been wearing the Air Max 90 nonstop. For as much of like cool shoes that I have, uh, when I say nonstop, like when I go – downstairs to check the mail i put on the <laughs> 90s so it's like that volt colorway from earlier this year has just been wow i mean just such an easy wear such a good looking shoe that you can now get on sale for like 80 bucks i paid full price like an idiot but uh you can find them for like 80 90 bucks and i highly recommend a pair if you didn't buy the remastered air max 90 i tried so, that bro I think my order got canceled because they sold out and they didn't realize it. All right. I mean, Nick feels me on this. I say that they're on sale for 80 to 90 bucks now, but there's never a size 12 or 13. <laughs> exactly. So uh, in the same breath, I'm fortunate I bought them on release day. So, and it comes to what I'm going to be copping. Uh, I got to say, I've been feeling the Reeboks more and more on 618. You can cop. Um, a baby blue or an orange pair of question lows. And I highly recommend them. I got a pair sent to me from the homie Jason of the orange question lows. And, uh, you know, they're really pretty. Uh, the one, Nick, you have to confirm this for me. Like, the one uh, the one feedback I have for it is that it looks like the hex light is drawn on the bubble and it's not actually hex light like Facts. the honeycomb stuff isn't on the print and yeah, it, it's on it yeah. it's just drawn on it is that is that normal for questions yeah the newer stuff is like that unfortunately yeah it's okay. pasted on it's a little fake unit they put on there but it's still a little chunk of hex light in the heel but the stuff you see is uh just little pieces glued on 
because somebody brought that up and I was like, I didn't even notice. I've never owned a pair before. But regardless of that fact, it still visually looks really good. And at the end of the day, I'm not trying to break ankles and knees. So uh, the performance is, it isn't really all that important to me when it, they look good. So uh, 618, go cop a pair of those. That's my shameless plug. Damn, Jones, I, I really want a pair of those. I don't care what color. Yeah, I mean, obviously the orange ones. I mean, as a question, <laughs> as a question collector, all of them speak to me, but the orange ones for sure for me. So, uh, so I actually uh, kind of dipped out of town for a couple of days and went up and went up on the coast, uh, Big Sur here in California, and camped for a little bit. So I was rocking beaters for the last few days. Uh, the I don't remember when they released the. Nike Pegasus Roadrunner Sports Collab that was like the Cali colorway from, I guess it's a Pegasus 30, so six, seven years ago now. That's what I uh, have been rocking for the last few days, but I haven't bought anything. I did donate some money to a friend that has a store up in Minnesota called Studio 23. They unfortunately got looted, and, um, you know, if you check them out on Instagram or Twitter, you can find them. It's uh, S-T-U-D-I-Y-O-2-3. Um, Mo runs that shop. He's a really good dude. And, you know, they're just going to need some help rebuilding. So I figured rather than spend money on stuff for me, I would just send some money their way and hopefully help them get back on their feet after they pretty much lost everything. So that said, uh, I wanted to kind of shift gears and, and talk about reviews here on the show we appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us reviews this week we have a new review from triple sticks uh he says i really enjoy the podcast i've been listening to you guys for about six months and i will say you're what's missing to me in a lot of other podcasts solid history between today's broadcast and an article i read today about tinker's pitch to mj after he hurt his ankle and i was thinking about leaving nike i was convinced i need more history more storylines, etc. Love the th- love the threes as a poor teenager. I shared a pair with my cousin. It's crazy to me how we almost didn't get that shoe. Keep up the good work. I plan to follow you dudes on on IG as well. Peace and stay safe. Appreciate the review. That's super dope. I'm sure we can all relate to to uh, sharing kicks when we were kids because I know me and my brothers. Anytime we wore anything near the same size, we would make it work just to be feeling like we had an extra pair in the closet. So. Uh, thanks for the review, Triple Sticks. If you got a second, go ahead and leave us a review over on iTunes. It really helps us grow this community around the podcast, and we just really appreciate it. So, just to kind of backtrack one little baby step, you know, you said you're you, you made a donation to um, you know that shop in Minneapolis. I just want to take one moment here and challenge our listeners: if you've donated to some type of Black Lives Matter. Um, organization or anything really in the community in the past couple weeks. Um, keep in mind that those are 365 organizations. So if you can still keep things like that in mind with your money, you know, in the next coming months, years, even just um, if you have the means to, um, this isn't a one-time thing. So make sure to help out where you can. And if you can. Most definitely. And, and we'll keep posting on Instagram and, and Twitter and, and stuff. So if you, if you have a place that deserves support or people that you think deserve supporting, leave a comment or DM us, however you want to do it. We'll keep posting up and, and saying, hey, you know, don't forget. We'll keep reminding you that this is like an, an ongoing thing. It's not just something that we can just brush under the rug and forget about. Even though we got to move forward with life, I do think that Robbie is spot on. Like this has to be permanent conversation until everything changes. Right. And that's kind of what we're hoping to do by bringing it up and resurfacing, resurfacing it as much as we can. Yes, sir. So just to, just, just so you don't think I'm talking spicy. I, I went on a, <laughs> on a $20 a month payment plan just every month. Just, and I know it's not a lot of money. Um, it's called shoot, don't shoot PDX. Uh, just you don't have to be a millionaire. Just if you have a little bit and you can, please help out wherever you can. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's a good uh, that's a good way to do it. Have just kind of 
like a little side fund. I mean, 20 bucks in the grand scheme of things, like what per month, per week, whatever it is, is I mean, pretty small when we talk about buying $200 pairs of shoes. And if you are looking for other resources, you can always find it in the link in our bio on Instagram. We're just going to leave it there. We'll update if we get new, you know, better resources. But right now there's a doc, a Google doc that basically has hundreds of ways that you can be supportive, you know, with or without spending money. So, um, definitely check that out. It's the link in our bio on Instagram at sneaker history. So I think since we talked about the Adidas stuff a little bit on a previous episode, uh, maybe we should talk about that a little bit more. Seems like the, you know, the conversation went from a couple of people at Adidas to having, you know, a couple hundred people outside, you know, protesting outside the headquarters, employees, I should say, protesting outside the headquarters. And Adidas essentially, uh, it's hard to say like that, you know, I don't really know what the right response to any of this stuff is because there's so much, there's so much injustice that exists in, you know, corporate America. And that's not just Adidas, right? It's everywhere, but I haven't seen a real positive reaction from the people that initially brought it up or the protesters, which leads me to believe that the PR statements and the you know responses from the executives at Adidas just kind of come across as dismissive. That's the best way I can put it, I guess. Yeah, and then they, um, uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this one. There's been so many things I've been reading. It's been like information overload. But um, did, did they just pledge $120 million? to just you know all all of the causes they didn't i don't know if they had a specific cause but all of the you know basically black empowerment causes yeah i think they did yep okay. now this is weird i mean i don't know if this is a way of trying to just like slow the news cycle down on this other stuff and kind of just stifle it but i don't know i mean it, it, they gotta figure it out because they could do all they want but if they're not going to change their the course of action, they they have to uh, have to figure it out. I read that that letter from that particular employee of his experience and what happened to him uh, during the Super Bowl. I was man blown completely away. The fact that the uh, how it was handled by the company, and I'm I'm more surprised that after that came out that these um, celebrity uh, sponsors. Or, well, I guess they're, they're the ones getting sponsored. Ah, whatever it is, like Pharrell, Beyonce, I'm Pusha T. I'm surprised they're all still there with this being so prevalent. I mean, I think that's that's going to be like the biggest challenge for all of these things that are happening, right? Like, you know, who do you align with when it's almost like everybody's guilty of this at mm-hmm. some level? I think the thing that was really interesting about the story that I sent you guys, um, which I'll link in the description, is, uh, you know, it's basically like a high snobiety article. Mm-hmm. And they talk about, specifically, they talk about a, a creative brief from Nick Galloway, the company's VP of global design for originals that had an image of a white guy on a skateboard wearing a Confederate flag. And it's crazy to me that that can still happen, especially considering Nick Galloway's designed the Yeezys for, for quite a while, right? Like, wasn't he like the, the kind of designer behind the first handful of Yeezys? And that to me is like, you know, rolls into the conversation of like that we had about Kanye and like, what is he doing? And like, you know, if you're not having these conversations with people in person while you're doing this stuff where you know this is inappropriate. And, you know, not to say that Kanye ever saw that brief, but like somebody has to speak up about that. Right. I I, I wouldn't feel comfortable letting that pass through as like an okay thing. If it came to me in any of my, you know, jobs. So why does everybody just let it go when it's, I don't know, is it just because he's like the, the kind of superstar of the moment and uh, you know, no pun intended, but like, you know, he's kind of the face of Adidas originals design and connected to the easy, the early easy stuff before, it, you know, 
before it kind of became like a blurred line of what is Yeezy and what is Adidas. Yeah. Mike, you, you brought up the dollar amount and in the high snob article, they bring it up too. like money is a superficial fix mm-hmm. in, with things like this. So in the article, the Adidas employee who some of the employees, Adidas employees who've made, you know, these uh, claims against Adidas still never have gotten their concerns or, you know, their, uh, you know, the, the situations acknowledged by the brand. So, yeah, they'll throw money at it, but they still won't acknowledge where and what they've done wrong. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even like saying the word, so I'm not going to. But in there, they said, like, they said some black people at Adidas were moving at a C-O-O-N pace, which is super fucked up to say. And I know in any place I've worked, I know the person saying that would be fired quickly if it got brought up and when it got brought up to HR. And that just speaks to the culture at Adidas. If you can get away with saying that and not be reprimanded and lose your, like, it's kind of the same stuff that we see with this president. Like, how is that, how is this okay? Or how did he get away with that? Like the instances in which are outlined in that article over and over again made me think is how because the the accusations aren't out of I mean they're not so far out there they're within the realm of possibility if that person is possibly you know uh, on the racist side so it's it's just super jarring to see that yeah they'll throw money at it but they won't they won't take responsibility for what has already been done which is super messed up in my book. Yeah, you said it right there, money's superficial. I mean, um, not to get back on, on my same tangent from earlier um, earlier episode, but that's just kind of what the same premise is what the NFL's doing. Um, NFL's like, uh, maybe if we just throw a couple million dollars, we'll, we can shut everybody up. And I just don't feel genuine, like, yeah, so a lot of people who are putting money out right now, and I don't know the real um, feelings or the real thoughts behind it. Is it genuine or not? I don't know, but some of them feel more genuine than others. Like, Jordan's felt more genuine. He had a statement, like a heartfelt statement. You know, some of these individuals who do this had, you know, had more heartfelt statements. They're like, oh, this is actually something real. Adidas is like, oh, bro, we got to go ahead and stop this news cycle as quick as possible. Let's go ahead and uh, how much we got? We can, okay, we'll do 120. We'll top, we'll top Jordan by 20. And maybe that'd be the story. But no one's addressing the internal concerns. And if all these people walk out, you're going to be left with a uh, a bunch of NMDs out there and nobody going to find. Right. I mean, if they walk out, I think it said 3.5% of Adidas is black. Yeah. If they walk out, it's zero. And But so... To relate it to this, any of us and our listeners, if somebody gives you an apology and you don't feel like they've acknowledged their mistake and, and what they did wrong, that apology doesn't feel whole. It doesn't feel good. So this is that exact same situation. I'm so sorry. Here's some money. End of statement. No, it's I'm sorry. Here's the money. Here's what we did. Here's what we're going to do better. Here's how the culture's changing. Uh, here's how we're going to handle, you know, HR complaints about race now. Like this, something, an action plan, something tangible. Um, I feel like it's some, it's really needed there. I was just going to say, so so one of the things that I admire about this protest with the by the Adidas employees is that there is specific things that they've asked for, and a lot of what's been happening is you know, like you guys are saying, just the, you know, companies and people just throwing money at something to, you know, feel like they've been a part of it or, or to avoid being criticized or whatever that is. And it's an easy thing when you're a big business worth, you know, billions of dollars. But this particular situation came with like open letters from a few people within the company that called for a change basically said they sent like a 32 page deck that outlined the demands that they wanted from senior leadership. 
and the asks included 31% representation of Black and Latinx employees across all levels of the company by the end of 2021, an overall commitment of 50 million of global sales to funding Black communities, and to partner with vetted external nonprofits to raise 100 million annually to end systemic racism and justice for Black people. I think that that in itself is like the absolute right way to approach this. When people are on the other side of those protests, they're probably just like, how do we get rid of this? And they just instantly think throw money at it, right? Like that's yeah. like the American way, unfortunately. But like to have such a kind of like, hey, here's the things that we really want. 32 pages, like read through this, come back to us and we'll talk kind of, you know, attitude towards it or approach towards it makes it very clear what what they are expecting. And the commitments, those are the minimums, right? They want, you know, these at a minimum as opposed to, you know, this is a back and forth conversation, right? Like at this point, you've already gone past the conversation of how do we do these things to make things better. It's like, no, you already fucked that up. Now we're going with this or nothing, right? And I think that's really admirable for the people that are, you know, speaking up right now, because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing just doesn't have that. And it makes it really, it, it almost... I don't want to like blame it, but it almost is a stereotypical thing that happens with these big companies, right? Where it's like, oh, just throw money at it to, to quiet it down. And this is kind of like saying, hey, we're not going to just accept money. We want part of that, you know, to be money put towards things, but like, it's not just about money. There's a lot more here that we're talking about. Yeah. And you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that they came in and was like, hey, look, here's our outline. We they This is probably the most organized things I, I've seen. And they gave you, hey, this is our ultimatum. This is what we want. Let's see what we can do about it. They didn't, they weren't like demanding, you know, I want this high level job, kick this person out. They was like, no, we want to take this. We're giving you a time period, include us in this. And here's ways we can do it. Like, Bro, you can't even argue with that. You can't be like, oh, these people are being, you know, you know, just unreasonable. No, they came to you with the full plan to make it work. And now it's on you to fix it. Yep. I mean, it helps that they are, you know, they're demanding this from their employer. I mean, like, it's a much smaller entity than the country. So it's it's easier in a good way to have very specific wants when you know your enemy so well yeah that's a very true statement because they're in a confined area um so they're able to see that inner workings every day and unfortunately we don't know what the heck's going on in our own country half the time because we don't we're not told so yeah and on the flip side of that corporate um that corporate kind of mindset and uh we have Adidas doing what Adidas is doing, but then Nike here is going to be giving paid leave for Juneteenth. And alongside that, I believe a couple weeks of optional, you know, educational services about black history too, around that time. So yeah, they're throwing a crap ton of money at it, but I believe that's a, a tangible, it's not tangible, it's a day. But it's it's uh, quantitable. That's not even the right word, right? Quantifiable. Yeah, quantifiable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's quantifiable. It's a date. It's you're acknowledging that group of people, and you know, it's just the right way to be doing it. I'll I'll, I'll use that as a segue to say how you two feel about it. But it's it's a very different side of the coin compared to Adidas. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, you know, a, a small step in the right direction for Nike. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's also the new CEO, John Donahue, right? Like we talked about him on a previous episode when they announced he was going to come in and, and take over. And, you know, I'm always the skeptic when it comes to leadership changes. I think that there's no, there's no such thing as, you know, uh, as someone just stepping down for no reason or moving aside for no reason, whatever, however you want to call it with John Donahue, it was really interesting timing because there was a lot of stuff going on around 
you know, the the running kind of scandals where one of the guys that was apparently pretty friendly with Mark Parker was was kind of going through lawsuits and trials because he was being accused of cheating in in the running space. And, you know, like then there was all that stuff internally at Nike that happened where, you know, it was kind of, um, you know, it was like basically like the women's march started uh, like the women's march stuff kind of came from that it seemed like from the conversations like at nike and then there's a few other companies around that same time where it was like obviously like there's a huge problem of these businesses being just kind of like the boys club right where you know like just in even with the last example like robbie said you see it with like you know the president and you see it kind of just it everywhere in like these like leadership roles where people feel like they're untouchable. And I don't know, you know, all the details of any of that stuff, never worked at Nike or anything like that. So I looking from my perspective, just was kind of interesting that, you know, Mark Parker was supposed to step down at a certain time. And then all of a sudden all that stuff happens. And like a month and a half later, they announce a new CEO is coming in and, you know, it's, it's great. Like, you know, it seems like he's making some, some, you know, positive changes already, hopefully, but I'm always just going to be skeptical of that kind of stuff. And, you know, I look at this as a like very minimal step, but at least it's a step in the right direction to go, like, like you said, beyond just throwing their, you know, $140 million or whatever they committed to towards it. So it it has to be, a topic of daily conversation now that's i mean i think we talked about that before it is it has to be a something that's on your mind at all times not in the sense that you don't have to be a negative aspect but how can we make positive change all the time you can't be like all right cool hey guys remember uh remember june we threw all that money all right we're good we're good for the ne- next 10 years we don't say anything else about it it has to be an ongoing conversation to be inclusive and when i say inclusive i'm not just saying hey listen to the quota all right, we got to put this many black people, this many Latin, this many whites. No, if a person is good at the job and they just so happen to be of a different race, let them have it. Like, that's how it should be. Just give everybody, if we can keep the conversation going, everyone gets an equal playing field. The money's going to help. Yes, it will. We won't say it won't because these organizations don't get proper funding. But then we're just going to be, you know, slowly but surely making this problem like, get smaller, just minimize problems. Let's not make it worse. And that's a really good point, Mike. It's going to help make it smaller. I think a lot with a lot of things, we want instant results, but at the same time, nobody likes feeling like they're somewhere um, because they have to be. An easy example is like, let's say you and your little brother are going somewhere or you're going somewhere and your mom says you have to take your little brother. You know, it's like that doesn't always feel right to the little brother. It's like, okay, I'm going because mom made you take me, not because you want me to go with you. I look up, I want to go with you, but you don't want me here. Mom says I have to be here. You can't go. This is our situation. To to make it not feel like, oh, we're to go back to Adidas. We're going to hire 30%, you know, more, um, you know, black and people of color. That, That doesn't feel really... It, it, it's hard to think of it as something that's going to happen right away. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing where, what, are you just going to hire a hundred percent, you know, black and Latino until you get to 30? Like this thinking of it logistically doesn't make sense to our feeble non HR minds. But when it comes to having diversifying the workplace, it doesn't happen in one hiring cycle. That's ultimately what I'm trying to get to. It doesn't happen in two hiring cycles. It happens with change in leadership and over time. So as long as brands now feel like this isn't just a one-time initiative, but a straight-up mindset change, that's when you'll start seeing true diversity in those types of roles and in companies. So we have to hold brands to the fire, but also give that time, you know, give it time for it to, to manifest. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, you know, whether we're, you know, 
like all of the things that we want to see from brands, you know, in regards to like everything we've talked about from, you know, obviously the Black Lives Matter stuff, the um, even going in, you know, like you brought up the space hippie shoes from Nike, like, you know, steps in the right direction in, in all aspects take so much work for companies to actually, you know, make those changes. Like I'm sure a lot of people that are listening have worked in a corporate, you know, setting where there's just so many people that want to have an approval or a say in what's going on. And it's like the right thing should just happen, but it does just take time for these big companies. And so I guess like kind of shifting gears into like the, the main thing that we wanted to talk about today was, or is the Kanye foam, Yeezy foam runner, right? The shoes are going to be made in the USA. Um, I read somewhere that they're going to made it, be made out of uh, a type of algae, which is kind of interesting. That would potentially mean that they're biodegradable, which, you know, we don't talk about that in the sneaker world as much. Like, but what happens to sneakers after they're worn? You know, a lot of the stuff that we use, a lot of the materials that are used, the glue, you know, is not really good for the environment. And this, I think, is one of those other pieces of like, how do these companies address the, the the problems that they're causing by creating product. And I don't mean that like every product causes problems. I think that, you know, just being aware of like, hey, like Nike saying they're not going to ship the space hippies in a, in a box or an extra box is like, cool, that's a step in the right direction. I mean, I know a lot of people want the boxes and, you know, collectors and, and resell meet the boxes and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's like, we don't need boxes and in inside of boxes, inside of boxes to, to ship things to us. It's kind of like when you look at like Amazon, right? Like everybody can relate to ordering something from Amazon and you order something like the size of a, like a, a little USB stick, but it shows up in a box. that's like the size of a size 15 sneaker. And you're like, <laughs> what the problem with this, you know? Um, so, you know, Kanye had a conversation with Pharrell um, over on vice recently. And it was just a really interesting read. I'll link to it in the description. But, um, one of the things that came out of it was that, you know, the foam runners dropping this month were going to be made in the USA. And that's something that I think will take a lot of time. Um, <laughs> but it's cool to see, you know, Kanye even thinking about that because so often we dismiss him as not thinking about those things. But essentially, he said that the, the foam runners that they're coming out with in June are the first American manufactured items, and we got to figure out how to do localized manufacturing. But it's more of an approach than a description. Everything, whether that's a time in history or a genre of music or a style of clothing, is just a different approach to getting things done. I feel that this summer, when people are overly getting influenced by images, it's like a dog chasing its tail. It seems <laughs> like it's harder for people to break out and actually do something and really take on everything the world has to offer that's a pretty powerful statement. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kanye fan, but I'm also probably a biggest, you know, skeptic when it comes to Kanye because of his, you know, political stuff. And to hear him say that and hear him understand it really kind of speaks a lot to his kind of understanding of the way the businesses work. And I really think that if he's thinking about that now, even if you're just starting with foam runners, whether you like the shoe or not, you know, it's a step in the right direction. And this will lead to other things being made in the United States or made locally for the markets that they're going to. Because we kind of we kind of live in this world where everything is massively global. But that also means that it takes a ton of time and a ton of energy to create the products. But also it just creates a lot of it's, it's more about profits than doing the right thing, in my opinion. And if you could make something local and, you know, sell it locally, or even, you know, like whether you start in the United States and, and sell in the United States, or, you know, eventually get to a point where you have New York exclusives made in New York or California exclusives, Portland exclusives, like you could see all of that happening and really creating even more hype for Yeezy stuff than, exists right now, right? 
which that to me is really, really fascinating. But I wanted to just toss it to you guys and see what you guys thought about that whole statement. I mean, I think it's cool that, I mean, to make stuff in the, in the States is, I mean, of course you want to help, help our country out and like push jobs and like this stuff. So I think it's, I think it's cool to be able to do that. And to your point of making exclusive things in those particular States, I mean, that would be amazing. Um, I'll just see some more brands take that, uh, take that step because I mean, you said it best. I mean, I'm still super skeptical of uh old mr west and uh i'm glad he i'm glad he's doing something good for the country but i i, I need a little bit more from that guy before i can even I, I won't buy a pair of yeezys at this point and i don't see it happening anytime soon but i i can appreciate what he's doing for you know american workers and you know maybe setting a trend for for different brands to start doing more production here Guys, I got breaking news here. Um, I just found out that the shoes are not made out of algae. They're made out of completely Kanye West ego, 100% ego. So we're all getting some. Okay, cool. It's <laughs> never going away. It's not biodegradable in any way. <laughs> It'll be here forever. It's like styrofoam. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. I mean, so I don't like t- touching most Kanye topics because I still love Kanye. It's it's hard not to. Um, especially when we think about how much other bad shit other very popular musicians have done in their life. I think Kanye's um, misgrievances are quite low on the spectrum. So it, it's tough. He didn't... Yeah, I'm not going to go into other people. <laughs> um, Google John Lennon. So it's, it's just... Uh, <laughs> Tough. I mean, not every uh, hyper creative person is um, hyper aware all the time or um, hypersensitive or, you know, this nobody's perfect and it just gets magnified a lot. I like to see Kanye bring these to the U.S. Um, the only brand I can really think of and listeners, if you know different, let us know that makes anything in the U.S. is New Balance sometimes. Right. Mm hmm. Is made in the U.S. a real thing, or is it just saying made in the U.S. and it's not? I think it's a real thing because they, they'll split them up to what made in the U.S. They have what made in the U.K. Then they have their Tokyo Design Studio. So I think they're, as far as I know, I think they're pretty legit on those. So, I mean, that part of it's dope. But the Kanye, from, from a footwear perspective, it's just we're all so tired of the 350 and – it's kind of just it's it's ran its course in my book. It's just hard to walk away from all that money that you'll keep making if you keep releasing shoes under Yeezy. So it makes complete sense. But um, I'm not going to harbor any ill will towards Kanye right now. And it's just the shoes are cool for coming to the U.S. if it happens. That's my take. Yeah, I mean, so so kind of to look at a little bit deeper into that. There are a handful of companies that manufacture shoes in the United States. Um, obviously New Balance being one of them. PF Flyers made their canvas high tops in the US. Uh, Reebok actually makes like work shoes in the United States. I don't know yeah. that they're actually made by Reebok. They might be made by, you know, one of their partner brands. Yeah. But if you go to like their work, work, you know, they're like work boot. I think it's like reeboklwork.com or something like that. Um, they have a bunch of shoes that are made in the USA. It's, it's, it's your typical, like, you know, non-slip, non-skid or like, you know, military style boots, some yeah. kind of like more, um, you know, like stuff that you would see like postal workers or police officers or, you know, anybody that's kind of in a uniform wearing. And, um, I think there's a handful of others, you know, um, I know Keen makes some stuff. They have a few factories in Portland. Soft star makes these like interesting handmade running shoes. Um, but it's, it's, it's not the main brands that we think of. Right. And the brand, the main brands like, you know, Reebok and New Balance being like kind of the, the, I guess the top of the line of those brands that that I mentioned, they only make a very small percentage in the U S and I do think that, you know, I agree with Robbie, like the, the, the conversation around, creative people and you know 
what they do is, is a tough one, right? Because we're, we live in a place where, you know, we live in a time, I should say, where people are expected to be, you know, a, you know, a, a musician, an athlete, a celebrity, a movie star, an activist, uh, you know, uh, an entrepreneur, like everyone's supposed to wear all these different hats. And, and I do think that, you know, Kanye is not the only one that is maybe not that good at all of those hats. And that's totally okay. I just, I think that, you know, I, I really wanted to focus more on the fact that him thinking about that just goes to show that there's, in my opinion, more depth there in his thought process around trying to do something that could potentially change, you know, kind of just disrupt the whole tradition of let's make all this stuff in China or make all this stuff overseas, wherever, and, you know, have crazy margins, crazy markups, because at some level he's, he's making shoes that where he's, you know, he's making the same shoe repeatedly. Right. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is going to drive the cost down further and further and further because, Every 350 V2, yeah, I mean, how many are there? It seems like there's got to be like 30 or 40 of them now. There's at least 16 and, brown ones, so I mean. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that helps cut the cost down, right? If you're making the same thing, it's kind of like, you know, if you made, I don't know, like you could make a handmade, you know, red wing boot in the United States and it's going to cost you $200 because it costs that much for the materials and the labor to make it here. But if you're making, you know, a million 350 V2 outsoles and then splitting them up, you know, not saying that all of them are different, you know, that aren't different colors, but like if you're making a million of that mold, you're obviously going to drive the cost way down, mm -hmm. but there's still all of those like other ways to kind of, I think in my opinion, reduce costs. And sometimes it's also not just about making products more profitable, right? Sometimes, you know, standing up and saying, Hey, we should make this in the United States or we should try to, you know, break up the craziness of depending on factories around the world and do things in more localized place because it's the right thing to do. And inevitably, more people are going to want to support that because they see it now as just like, oh, I mean, I look at Yeezys as, you know, especially the 350 V2, right? It's like it's a basic, basic shoe and there's nothing special about it. I don't dislike the look of it, but the fact that it's $220 for a shoe like that to me is like, well, why is it not the same price as, you know, the Roshi at $70 a few years back? You can't tell me there's a crazy difference in the manufacturing process of those two shoes that would justify the cost of it being so high. And I understand that Yeezy is a, you know, a luxury brand, but at the same time, like, no, right? <laughs> well, I think that is like a super good point because the last they use for that aren't changing. Like the V2 is the same sole kit and everything every time. They don't, they shouldn't be. Like, let's just join the last every time that they do this. I, I don't think that's that's the uh, the case. But I think a lot of sneakers, like I feel like even Jordans, I don't know, maybe because of the, the sheer amount that are made. They have to do overseas, but Jordan, they have the same soul kits typically with retros until they decide to, you know, remaster something. And I don't even know if the souls actually change, but that stuff is already made. So the fact that a lot of these things have such high prices and go up in prices kind of boggles my mind because you're not having to build these soul kits again. They're already like that last they, that they use to mold this is, is around. It's not like, oh, we have to build this again, which is the most expensive process. So if you guys had the option to buy a pair of Air Jordan 1s made in the USA for, let's say, 20% more than what they cost right now, would you pay the difference for it? I mean, might as well because they, if, my justification would be 90% of the times I have no chance of buying it for retail anyway. So if I actually had a chance to get it you know, in this hypothetical situation for 20% more, it's made here. And uh, be paying still less than re resale typically. Yeah, why not? I would only do it if there was no glue stains on it. If, if I'm getting something marketed as made in America and premium quality, 
I, I, I touched about it um, when I when I brought up off whites in the past. Like I've, I own 16 pairs of Jordan ones. The off white ones are the only pair that don't have glue stains. They don't have stitching problems. They don't have any factory um, factory blemishes. And if I'm going to be paying for something 20% more, it has to be different than what I can get for 160 or 170. You yeah. can't have the problems I talked about. So, of course, yeah, I mean, if, if there's a reason why, sure. But if you're releasing the same shoe made in the USA, like a Royal Jordan 1 made in the USA and the same one made in um, Taiwan, I'm, and they're ultimately the same, just I get to feel better and you get to stroke my American pride, I don't care that much. I'm still going to buy the Taiwan one. Yeah, so 200 bucks, it, it got to be – uh, it got to be pristine when I pull out the box. I know it's hard to do, but I mean, if New Balance can do it, like I have one pair of Made in USA, New Balance, and those things came out the box. Literally, I, I joke, but it smells like a leather store. Like the materials are solid, the construction. I have, I've seen zero glue stains, zero loose threads. I mean, if we can do that, I don't mind paying, you know, a little bit more if I know that, hey, you know what? We're going to be playing the uh, quality over quantity game. I'm okay with that. I mean, so a made in the USA leather Jordan one goes against what Nike does from a from a you know a, a brand and sustainability standpoint. Like, there's that fly leather for a reason. Like, they don't use good full grain leather because they don't believe that it's sustainable. So, like, I don't see them ever making that kind of switch. I know it's just hypothetical, but yeah. um, it's, it's it's tough. For me to imagine um, something with a with a markup from them that would that would warrant the price in terms of quality. It's kind of interesting because you know, like right now, roughly one in four Americans is out of work. Me being one of them, so I think that I think about it much differently than I ever have. I mean, I, I've always you know wanted to buy from people and brands that I know, or at least feel like I know, that's kind of always been my thing. But now more than ever, I feel like if me buying a pair of shoes helps people literally, you know, around the corner or down the street or, you know, one state away, I'd rather buy that than a shoe that's made somewhere far away. And I, you know, there's nothing really to do about you know, a pride of being American or anything like that. It's more just like, I think because I'm feeling this economic kind of struggle that's going on right now, um, it's, it's making me rethink the way I want to proceed after all of this stuff kind of comes, you know, goes away or comes back to some sort of normal because I look at all the stuff that I have and think, okay, I probably have, I probably have like 40 or 50 pairs made in the USA. Some of that's older stuff back when Nike and Converse made shoes in the USA. You know, a lot of it is New Balance. I've got, you know, a handful of like off-brand stuff that people wouldn't really recognize or think of that's made in the USA. But the rest of the stuff, it's kind of like, well, I, I don't, you know, yeah, there's some story associated with it, but there's no people that I can associate with it, right? You know, yes, I buy from maybe a small shop or a friend that owns a shop or something like that. But there's a lot of shoes that I've just gotten off of Nike.com or, you know, Foot Locker or something. And it's, those are the types of things that I'm kind of rethinking. So it's interesting that to hear you guys say that, because I, I Honestly, like, you know, the Jordan one is maybe a bad example because I don't need any more Jordan ones. Like <laughs> I, I love the shoe, but there's only so many colorways that, that I really care to have. And, you know, of course I would love to have, you know, maybe an original pair or 94 pair for, you know, nostalgic purpose purposes. And, you know, I can always kind of justify that stuff, but I think if there were ways to, you know, know that I'm supporting people closer to home, I would feel better about it at the end of the day, even if it is, you know, a little bit more money. But I also think that they'd have to do things that would make it interesting, right? The, to me, that story 
that is just another story being made in the USA. But like, let's say you, let's say you got, you know, like my friend Justin that owns Prospect down in San Diego, if you order from him, he always sends a handwritten note. Always. He has, he's had multiple shops over the years and he always writes a handwritten note for every purchase. So I've always admired that because I don't put that much time into everything that I do. And I wish that I did, you know, I probably, I'd probably be a better person if I did, but one, that's one of those things. One of the things that I think about where imagine if you, and I don't think that, I don't think this is actually feasible because you wouldn't want to put people publicly out there. But imagine if you opened up a pair of Jordans and there was a note inside that said, Hey, thank you from the Jordan brand. And, you know, Bob Smith in such and such, you know, Massachusetts, who actually hand stitched this shoe or actually put this shoe together for you. That would actually make me feel even better about making the purchase. So I think it becomes like a marketing thing. It becomes a story. We all are kind of dependent on those stories now as to why we buy things for the most part. But it's a really interesting aspect of where this, you know, as much as I might not be buying Yeezys, Kanye is still a thought leader, still a very influential person in the footwear business. And to me, seeing him think about those things and potentially where he could be thinking about this stuff heading is a really kind of awesome thing to see potentially becoming like mainstream, I guess. No, so that's a, that's a super fair thought because right now I think as I'm kind of getting the urge to like look at sneakers again, like looking and then, then, you know, wanting to buy more, you know, a little bit at a time. And I've been looking more at not chain stores specifically. I've been looking more like uh, local stores here in Houston, but then just, again, just stores, boutiques that are owned by people who can help support because I mean, those other places are going to be around. Clearly like you didn't hear about, there's not one footlocker that went out of business, but those other people who maybe can sustain and, I think being able to help in that way. And then if they were to actually make shoes here and that was the case, I mean, again, I, I would not mind helping because it's more, it's not my American pride that would make me buy it, but it's the pride knowing that, Oh, cool. I actually like supported something. And just like you at this point has become more prevalent in this situation. Yeah. I mean, I've said it a trillion times, like don't buy from StockX, like avoid goat, like support, local whenever you can and just even if it's not for like sustainability pur- purposes or getting a nice handwritten letter i mean i could count you the amount of times in a day i just scroll through and see some kind of like getting a fake shoe from StockX, like not getting your money back or refund issues and you're just never going to get a, the kind of like one-on-one you know mom and pop feel from a from a platform like that, like your friend in San Diego, like writing the handwritten letter, you know, that's something so simple that probably kids don't care about. They just throw it away when it comes in. But anybody who takes the time to read it recognizes that they're supporting a person that is behind a business, not just a big business. So um, I want to go buy something from him now just so he can write me a letter. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I just want a letter. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I haven't bought anything from a retailer. Not nah, I lied. I bought the DMP sixes from finish line, but like I couldn't get those anywhere else. So it's like kind of had to buy them from there, but you know, well, and, and I'm not knocking buying from those places. Cause obviously I have friends that work at foot locker at finish line. I worked at finish line. Like, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to condemn people from buying from direct from Nike or direct from Adidas or wherever. Cause like, you know, we started this conversation talking about the employees in those companies. I, I just is thinking about like, you know, me personally, I'm really just looking at like, can I, can I do this in a, can I cut out all these middlemen that take a piece of the profit on a lot of the things I spend money on, I guess. Yeah, no, it, exactly. Cause a, a big example is, um, you know, the black cat retailed $200, um, index had the black cat selling for 240. Now, could I go, maybe find it for cheaper than 240 once it's sold out. Yeah. If I want to look really hard on StockX, you probably find one, but 
forty dollars to support something local isn't isn't a is isn't a big decision to make. It's a no brainer trade off in my book. So like when you can support local, but also don't go breaking your wallet just to, you know, help out either. So it's like live within your means, like anything in this time right now, help where you can help when you can. Um, and it's, and it's be mindful of where your efforts and time are going. Here's a big thing. So like McDonald's and Taco Bell, you know, donate to Trump, which I don't eat either one of those two places because they give me the bubble guts. But I now know that Taco that. Bell. Dang. Yeah, both of them. So it's just like and In and Out, which which kind of hurt. But uh, I don't see In and Out around me, and and In and Out has to kill my mom to have me not eat there anymore. So it's like, oh god, they gotta they gotta really forsake me to get me to stop eating In and Out. Is on too, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I I cut Chick Fil A out over the anti. Um, you know, homosexual stuff like that, that drove yeah, me mad. So I, I quit eating there. Um, so it's just like, think about where your money's going is, is the whole point of that little tangent. It's just, uh, if you can support it, do it. Qu- question for you. It's completely sidetracked. I just have to know, Robbie, have you been to Texas before? I've never been to Texas. Okay. So you, the question, the answer to my next question is going to be a no. And I'm going to start a riot in the uh, in the comments. But have you ever had Whataburger? I'm going to assume the answer is no. Man, I'd rather. So, I mean, people have asked that question. I have a, I'm, I'm happily married. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. Nah, that's I trash. Else try. I'm going across the street right now. I'm going to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, you could be um, Blake Lively rolling up. It's like, I already got my, I already got my girl. I already got in and out. I, I, I don't <laughs> No, you cannot be married to In-N-Out. No, I've Whatever. tried it before. It's all right, but Whataburger would change your life. And I, come at me in the comments. When Until you have one, you won't know. When everything so, is good at home, you don't, you don't need to go looking for a meal elsewhere. <laughs> you stupid. So, so Whataburger is above. Whataburger is way above In-N-Out for me. I mean, thank I, you. I, I, I like In-N-Out, but I think it's way overrated. I think Five Guys is way overrated. I actually, maybe this is just because I'm old, but like I think Fat Burger is still the best, but Whataburger is, is close second. And part of that is probably just because I miss it not being in Texas or not being in a state that I can get it. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's your favorite burger? Leave a, leave a comment below. Uh, <laughs> I can stand behind Fat Burger because. <laughs> Any old head back there knows the old commercials where they're like, I want a man with a fat burger in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fat, fat burger, definitely a lot of good memories there. But just like five ninety five for a soda, double cheeseburger, and fries, man, it's like if everything's fresh, get the fuck. I mean, you can't beat it. Can't they, beat they it. They just dumped Thousand Island on everything on uh I didn't know. Oh, you want here's some salad dressing on everything. Like, but, but I don't want that. Right? I mean, I mean, my first time going, I had to. Like, like my first time going in and out. They're like, oh, get it this way. And I'm like, all right, cool. And like, did they have to put so much on it? Like, they're just like, ooh, Thousand Island. Bleah. Trying to get me to disagree, and then like try to get me to say that the that the sky is green. Like, I know it's blue. I know in and out's better. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's you know what? You're going to wear so, Reeboks if anything's possible. I'm going to try my luck at this point. <laughs> so last uh, last burger comment. Does – does uh, uh, oh, shoot. I forgot the name of it. This is going to – people are going to be pissed that I forgot the name of it. Uh, <laughs> oh, Shake Shack. Shake Shack. Is Shake Shack on your guys' uh, top three burger places list? Uh, I like Shake Shack. I, I give, it a, give it a top three. Nah, man, it goes in and out, fat burger, <laughs> and then checkers. Checkers. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I can't be mad at checkers. The fries would keep me coming back, but the burgers are good. And, and I mean, check, checkers is kind of like a like a, a like regional thing, right? Where I think checkers and rallies yeah. and like yeah. in, like in California or at least in Northern California, A and W root beer, like the A and W. Oh man, but. Okay. 
Yeah. I'm not hungry. Great job, everybody. <laughs> we got we to gotta sign off, get some food, but let us know your favorite burger joint. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes with your favorite burger joint. Since we're going to, we're going to transition. We're going to start doing uh, food podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> with it. Uh, um, appreciate everybody listening though. And, uh, you know, obviously we got some, some, uh, some tough topics to discuss and it's hard to have these conversations sometimes. So I just want to, again, like invite anybody that's listening. If you have questions or want to talk through some of this stuff, you can actually shoot us a text. Uh, the phone number is one eight seven seven Air Max one, and yeah, we'll we'll get back to you or leave us a comment on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, and let's let's continue having the conversations. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Anything else, guys? Um, no, man, I'm good. I appreciate you guys listening to us talk about the hard topics and. Uh, yeah, just thanks for rocking with us through all all the craziness. Yeah, thanks everybody. Most definitely. All right, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as five bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.